Welcome to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. For more details, check out faithcc.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message. Awesome. Let's get into the Word tonight. Are you ready tonight? Tonight I am ready. I'm ready. You know, I just have such a great expectation in my spirit in this season and what God is doing in our church. And tonight I want to speak to you about a personal legacy. I know that across our connect groups this week, we started a series on legacy, and next Sunday is our Legacy Build Sunday, and tonight I want to speak to you about having a personal legacy, because it's one thing to talk about a legacy that we want to achieve together, which is a good thing, but I believe that God has called all of us, each and every one of us, to leave a personal legacy as we walk this earth. And so tonight, if you've got your Bibles with you, turn with me to the book of Ruth, chapter 1. We're going to read from verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And so a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Marlon and Kilion. They were Epaphrodites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about 10 years, both Marlon and Kilian also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. And when Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. And then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud and said to her, we will go back with you to your people. Let's go down to verse 16. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. When you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. And when Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. And so the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them, and the women exclaimed, Can Can this be Naomi? You know, as we look at the life of Ruth, she is a person who left a personal legacy. She lived her life in obedience to God. And at the beginning of this story, she's actually someone who's from Moab, who's not from the people of Israel. And so she didn't grow up knowing about God. She's someone who came from a different land. It says that Naomi and her husband, who's a mother-in-law, went from the land of Israel to another land when there was a famine. And there is where they met uh, Ruth and the other daughter-in-law. And so she's not from Israel. She doesn't know about God, but she makes a decision nonetheless to follow after God and to leave a personal legacy. We hear about Moab a lot in the Bible. And uh, Ruth came from a nation that at that time really was hated by Israel. There was a lot of uh, fighting and enmity between these two nations. In fact, if you go back to the book of Numbers, uh, you see the first time that Moab is mentioned as a group of people who actually stopped the people of Israel who were trying to get through the wilderness to the promised land. And they come and they stop and they come against them. And since that moment, the people of Israel have hated the people of Moab. 
because they've seen them as the very people that stopped them from going after what God had promised them. And so there's bad blood. And it even goes so far that in Deuteronomy 23, in verse 3, it says that no person from Moab should enter that temple in that generation. That's how badly they felt against this nation. And yet we find that God decides to move in and through someone who comes from a nation that is so hated, who comes from a nation that really the people of God weren't expecting God to move through her. But God does move through her and she leaves a personal legacy. And so tonight I wanna share with you a couple of thoughts around leaving a personal legacy. And the first lesson that we learn from Ruth's life is that she leaves a personal legacy of going beyond I have to. She leaves a personal legacy of going beyond I have to. You know, Ruth didn't have to stay with her mother-in-law. She didn't have to go with her. She makes a decision to be faithful. She makes a decision to stay loyal. But actually, she didn't have to. Twice, Naomi says to her, just go. Go back to your family. You can go and you can find another husband. And you've got to remember that in that time, for a woman to be unmarried meant that she was vulnerable financially. It meant that she didn't know what her future was going to look like. And the Bible says that she was married, but she didn't have children, which we can assume then that she was only newly married, which means that she could still have found another husband. She still could have had children. She could have had a different life, but she makes a choice to go beyond just what she has to do, and she decides to stay loyal to her mother-in-law. Now, you've got to ask yourself, what were Naomi's prospects at that point? The Bible says that Naomi and her husband moved to Moab because there was a drought, but then drought followed them there. Famine follows them there. Need follows them there. And so they once again find themselves in a situation where they don't have all that they need. And so no, Naomi's going back to a land that she doesn't know whether or not she's going to make it there, but she thinks it's her best chance. Ruth doesn't stand to get an inheritance. She doesn't have any kind of great prospects ahead of her, but she chooses nonetheless to stay loyal. She chooses to go beyond what she has to do. And I wonder tonight what our lives would look like if we chose to go beyond just what we had to do. I wonder what our week would look like if tomorrow when we went to work, we chose to do more than just what we had to do. I wonder what our homes would look like this week if we chose to go beyond just what we had to do. I like to read um, about history and I stumbled across um, someone named Eric Little, and I was reading about him a couple of weeks ago. And Eric Little, um, if you've ever seen the movie Chariots of Fire, it's a bit of an old movie, but that's about the story of Eric Little, who in 1924, he competed in the Olympics. And uh, he competed for the United Kingdom. He was a racer. He was very fast at 100-meter sprints. And so he goes and he qualifies to get into the Olympics, which in and of itself is a pretty big deal. But then he finds out when the race is scheduled. And the race is scheduled on a Sunday. And Eric Little is a Christian and he makes the decision that he's not gonna run in the Olympics because it happens on a Sunday. And so the date gets set, his moment arrives, he could win gold. The, the prospect of him winning gold is actually quite high at this point. But he turns to the officials and he says, I'm not gonna run because it's on a Sunday. So you can imagine how the United Kingdom felt about putting his name down and then he says he's not gonna run. So they decide, you know what? You're gonna run for us one way or another. So they put him in a different race. They say, okay, you're not gonna run on a Sunday. We'll put you in the 400 meters. Now, Eric Little trained to run 100 meters. 
and I don't know heaps about sport, but the 400 meter race is four times as long as the 100 meter race. Hey, you learned something in church tonight. So Eric Little is really fast, but the approach to running 100 meters is very different. And it's really scientific, so listen up. You start and you run really fast for a short amount of time. That's how you do 100 meters. But 400 meters is a different race. And so they put him in this race thinking he's going to come last. But you know what? They kind of did it a little bit to serve him, right? Because he refused to run on a Sunday. And so he goes to the race and everyone expects that Eric Little is going to come last. And he actually breaks the world record for that time for the 400 meters, having never actually trained to run in that race. He's at the height of his career at this point. He's made a stand for God. He's been a witness to his faith, and he wins a gold medal, and he breaks the world record at that time. That was in 1924. And in 1925, he makes a decision that shocks the world. He decides to give up running, and he decides to travel overseas to China to become a missionary. And when they interview him about it, he says, the thing is, I've been called to use my life for something greater. I've been called to do more than just run. Running is good, but I have a heart to do more. You see, Eric Little had a desire to do more than just what he had to. And so he goes to China, and he's a missionary in China for many years. And then in 1941, the British government contacts all the people living in China and says, you need to get out because the Japanese are coming, and they're going to put you in a prisoner of war camp. And so get out now. And Eric Little decides, I'm going to stay with these people anyway because I'm called to them. And he ends up being arrested and living the rest of his days in a prisoner of war camp. And accounts of Eric Little are that he spent his time with the young children that were in that camp, and he taught them about God, and he taught them maths and reading. And when uh, he was in that camp, his health began to fade, and he actually died in China. Years later, those same children, they managed to be released from that camp, and they survived, and they found out later who Eric Little was. They found out that he was someone who was known for running such an amazing race. They found out that he'd made a sacrifice all they knew of him at that moment was that he was a nice guy who taught them a bit about God. But you see, he made an impact, an even greater impact with his life because he went beyond just doing what he had to do. I wonder what our lives would look like if we made a choice to go beyond just I have to. Sometimes we draw the line just there. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to finish at five o'clock sharp because that's how much they pay me for. And then I'm out the door. I'm going to do only what I'm told. And then that's it. But I wonder what kind of difference we could make in our world if we made a choice tomorrow as we go to work, as we go to university, as we go to all the different places that we're called to. And we make a decision to show up and do more than just what we have to. He made a decision to go beyond I have to. Ruth made a decision to go beyond I have to. She left a personal legacy of going beyond I have to. The second thing that we see from Ruth's life is that she left a personal legacy of reconciliation. They hated the people from Moab. Imagine being someone who goes to a different land and you're one of the few there, you're a minority and they hate you. I mean, they really hate you. I think sometimes it's hard for us to truly appreciate that, particularly people of my generation and younger because we've been blessed to grow up in such a multicultural society. But maybe some of those of you here tonight, 
who first made the journey to Australia might remember what it was like coming to a country that was mostly white and didn't know about different cultures. Ruth stepped into a culture that did not want her there. She stepped into a place where they didn't want her, they didn't need her, they had no time for her, but she made a decision to go into that place nonetheless. Why would you go somewhere where people hate you? Think about it. Why would you make a decision to go somewhere where you know everyone hates you? She knew going into it that they hated her. She knew going into it that that she would be unwanted, but she made a decision nonetheless to go, and she left a legacy, actually, of reconciliation. She left a legacy of reconciliation because as she began to serve and as she began to be loyal to her mother-in-law, people saw something different about her. And what I love about God's story is that she starts off as someone who's hated, but then God weaves her into this same nation. She becomes part of this family. She marries someone from that country because she had a spirit of reconciliation. We often think about our places of work. We think about where we go to school. Monday through to Friday, and we think about the fact sometimes that maybe we're a bit outnumbered. Maybe we're not always wanted where we go. Maybe sometimes we go to a place, we work somewhere, and we're seen as the odd one out because we're Christians, because we choose to come to church on Sunday, we choose to pray, and we choose to live our lives differently, and we get discouraged about that. But Ruth made a choice deliberately to go somewhere that she wasn't wanted, and God used her nonetheless. You know, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 22 says this, Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. We've been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. That's the role of Jesus Christ. He came to reconcile the world to God. And now the Bible says that's our job. Our job is to go into the world and to reconcile others to Jesus Christ. I wonder how things would look in our life if we actually approached it with a desire to bring reconciliation, to bring peace, to bring life, to bring hope. In um, 1941, the United States experienced an attack called Pearl Harbor. And it's an interesting time in the history of the war because up until that moment, the United States wasn't involved in World War II. But the Japanese took the US completely by surprise. They weren't expecting the Japanese to attack them. But it's interesting because they uh, interviewed one of the admirals that was involved in the assault many years later, and he said this about the attack. He said, we won a great tactical victory at Pearl Harbor, but we lost the war. And see, what they didn't know is they decided to strike because they assumed that the United States would at some point go to war against Japan. All signs pointed to the fact that the United States was probably going to attack Japan. And so Japan decides, you know what we're going to do? We're going to hit them first. And so they do. And at that moment, when they did hit them, that's the moment that the United States decided that they could not stand by and that they had to go to war. But what they didn't know and what they only found out many years later was that as far back as 1935, the United States government had actually made a decision written in paper that they would never actually attack Japan. They had no intention of attacking Japan. And I tell that story tonight because it's so typical of human nature. It's so typical of human nature that we are so ready to strike instead of ready to actually forgive and to reconcile. How often do we go and we approach certain situations where we're ready to just fight, we're ready to lash out, we're ready to attack, and yet God has given us the task of reconciling others to himself. 
She left a personal legacy of reconciliation. I wonder how things would look in your family this week if you made a decision to bring reconciliation rather than just to strike. I wonder how relationships with people in our world who are not Christians would look if we made a decision to be reconcilers to Jesus Christ instead of seeking to always strike. She left a personal legacy of reconciliation. Number three, she left a personal legacy of working with God, with what God had provided. She left a personal legacy of working with what God had provided. Ruth chapter two and verse two. And Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. And Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. Now, Ruth understood that she was hated. Ruth understood that she was walking in a land where she didn't have a lot of options. But I love that she knew that she had one option. You see, there was a law uh, that the people of Israel had, which is that any foreigner, no matter how much they hated them, was allowed to come during harvest time. And the workers would harvest all the grain. But as they did that, some of the grain would inevitably fall on the ground, the leftovers be trampled upon. And there was a law that said that any foreigners who were in need could go behind those who were working and pick up the scraps. And so Ruth saw that she had this one opportunity. It wasn't a big opportunity, but she worked the land that God had provided nonetheless. And she began to go and pick up the leftovers. She didn't have a huge opportunity. It was just a little opportunity. But she worked the land nonetheless. I wonder what our lives would look like if we would just seize every opportunity that God actually sends our way. See, often we're on the lookout for the harvest. We want the harvest, but sometimes we've got to start with the leftovers. Ruth's story starts with the leftovers. She picks up the leftovers that no one wants, the things that people are too lazy to pick up. Everyone else walks by and says, forget it, we'll just get something else. But Ruth picks those up. And at the end of the story, she ends up marrying the man who owns the field. And so she owns the field and she owns the harvest. But it starts with working what God has provided. You know, God has given each and every one of us different opportunities. I wonder what little opportunities lay in your hand right now that if you would just pick up and say, I'm going to work the land that God has provided, you would see the provision of God come to pass. We all love those stories of, oh, you know, I had a check in the mail of $10,000. I don't actually know anyone personally who's ever experienced that. But if that's you, come and see me because I've heard the stories too. I just don't know anyone who it's happened to in real life. But we all hear those stories and it's great for us to believe that one day that might happen to us. But how about taking up some of those smaller opportunities like Ruth did? How about taking up some of those extra shifts that work offers you and seeing that as the provision of God in your life? (laughs) How about working the land that God has given you? How about using the opportunity that you have, the limited time that you have right now in high school and at university to bring some people to Christ and to invite them to church and then see what God can do with that ministry upon your life? Let's learn to work the small opportunities. Let's learn to work those small conversations, those small doors that God opens. Let's not despise them, but let's actually use those land, use those gifts Use those talents, use those doors, and work the land that God has provided us. She worked and she picked up things that others felt were unimportant. She picked up what others deemed not good enough for their time, and God brought great blessing into her life. 
She left a personal legacy of working what God had provided. Final point tonight, and I just ask our team to come up, and we're going to spend a few moments in prayer. She left a personal legacy of leaving behind. Ruth is known as the girl who stayed. She's the girl who stayed with Naomi when she didn't have to. But as we think about the fact that she stayed, we've got to remember that she made a choice in that moment as of staying to leave some other things behind. We often focus on the fact that she stayed. We forget that she left a family and a lifestyle that she knew behind. She probably wasn't married for very long. She grew up in a different land with a different culture, with different ways to the people of Israel. She had a completely different life. She had a different God. She had a different religion. And yet she makes a choice in staying to actually leave behind those things. You know, when we make a choice to leave certain things behind, that can be just as powerful as the things that we embrace. She made a choice to leave some things behind. And as she made that choice to leave behind a different way of life, to leave behind as difficult as it must have been, even her family, other opportunities, God opened up a new door of blessing in her life. God opened up new opportunities. And I wonder tonight how many of you are here that you are at a crossroads like Ruth. You have an opportunity to go one way or another and you have a choice tonight to say, I'm gonna choose to leave some things behind because leaving behind can be just as powerful as staying. In order to stay in the things of God, in order to stay with the opportunities that God has placed at your feet right now, you've got to make a choice to leave some other things behind. How about the choice to leave behind your current way of thinking, your current attitudes? How about a choice to leave behind maybe the way that you were raised and brought up and the things that you're used to doing, but God has been stirring your heart and telling you that there's more. And in order to embrace more, you've actually got to leave behind some of those other things. Ruth left behind some relationships, key relationships. And I sense tonight that God is speaking to people that it's time to leave behind certain relationships. It's time to put those things behind you because they're toxic because they're not bringing blessing and it's not God's best for your life. But in leaving behind, only then can you embrace all that God has for you. Tonight, I wanna pray for people who would say, I wanna leave a personal legacy like Ruth. I wanna step out in faith like Ruth. And the first step for some of you tonight is a choice to leave behind. Leave behind different ways of thinking. Leave behind old habits. Leave behind some relationships. And tonight we're gonna pray for people who would say, that's me, I wanna leave some of those things behind because I wanna embrace all that God has for me. Like Ruth, I wanna have a bigger vision. I wanna believe that God actually has some great things for me. I can't see it all yet, but I'm making a choice right now at this crossroads to leave behind so that I can embrace all that God has for me. Would you stand tonight? Tonight I'm gonna ask our team to just to begin singing. And as they begin to lead us in worship, 
I just sense that there are people here tonight and God has been stirring your heart that it's time to leave some things behind. As you step into this new season that God has for you, God wants to use you to leave behind a personal legacy just like Ruth. Ruth started off as just someone from a nation that was hated. And you know, if you go to the Gospel of Matthew and you read chapter one, it lists the ancestors of Jesus Christ. And it's pretty much all just males, but there are five women that that Matthew names specifically because of their outstanding decision to have faith and to follow after God. And Ruth is one of those women, a woman who's not even born into the people of God, a woman who's come from another nation, but whose faith and whose decision to leave behind the old and to embrace God absolutely wrote her into the history books. God wrote her into His plan. Tonight, when you make a choice to leave behind some of those things, God wants to take you and write you into the great plan that He has for your life. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. To stay up to date, check us out at our website, faithcc.com.au.